With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour three. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I want to revisit something I talked about yesterday and add a little more depth to the depth I already gave you. But first, I want to weave it into this story. This is from the New York Times today. Gun deaths rising sharply among children, study finds. Firearm injuries are a leading cause of death among young children and teenagers in the United States. Let's let's get into this. Jovonia McDowell was making dinner one evening when she got a call saying her 14-year-old son, Jawan, a gentle boy who loved animals, who was so generous that he gave a pair of shoes to a classmate who was being teased, had been shot. He was visiting a relative's home when another teenager pulled out a gun from a drawer where the firearm had been stashed under a T-shirt. Juwan told him to put it away, but the other teenager said it wasn't loaded, not realizing that it was loaded. He pulled the trigger. It hit Juwan in the chest. He was dead 17 minutes later. Children are generally medically healthy, which is why accidental injuries pose the greatest threat to their lives. Car accidents have long accounted for the bulk of injury-related fatalities among children. But according to an analysis published on Thursday, the rate of firearm fatalities among children under 18 increased 87% from 2011 to 2021. The death rate attributable to car accidents fell by almost half, leaving firearm injuries the top cause of accidental deaths in children. The The finding underscores additional data showing that firearm injuries are now the leading cause of death among Americans under 20, after excluding deaths of infants born prematurely. Some 2,590 children and teenagers under the age of 18 died of firearm injuries in 2021, up from 1,311 in 2011. Drug poisonings and suffocations also increased. Drug poisonings more than doubled suffocations up 12.5%. For both firearm injuries and opioid poisonings, minutes count, and that's why the fatality rate is high, says Tony Goss, Dr. Tony Goss, medical director at Children's Hospital New Orleans. A child injured by gunfire in a drive-by shooting, for example, or shot that pierces the walls of a home is brought to the hospital at least once a week. Firearms can be modified to include safety features like trigger locks that require fire fingerprint identification, but the firearm industry hasn't signed on to those modifications. And while any many gun owners purchase firearms to protect themselves and their family, research has shown having a firearm dramatically ris- raises the risk of gun deaths in homes. I want to talk about the part of this that is not 
really being mentioned. If we were to talk about this, honestly, it would get us in trouble. But we should walk down that road anyway. More than half of the 45,000 gun deaths in the United States are suicide. But among children, accidental shootings now kill more kids than car wrecks. Some 2,590 children and teenagers. The data that's not there that would be even more eye-opening, the data that you're not supposed to talk about, the data that you'll get in trouble for pointing out, is the race of the child. Disproportionately non-white. Disproportionately black. It is oftentimes guns in people's homes but it is very often stray bullets from drive-by shootings and gang violence, disproportionately in the black community. Planned Parenthood was created by Margaret Sanger, who used to speak at Klan rallies and flirted with Nazism. True stories. Margaret Sanger founded Planned Parenthood and largely wanted to champion the sterilization of black women in poor communities to end the reproduction of the black race in America. As much as white liberals use the label racist to talk about other white people, the reality is a lot of white liberals were kind of fine with Margaret Sanger and what she wanted to do. And in fact, disproportionately over time, it's worked. Uh, abortion rate in the black community is, is astronomical compared to the white community. Among Take poor black women versus poor white women, and, and in the black community, the abortion rate is higher. And it's good white liberals. It's their solution. Good white liberals get exercised about gun violence in America with mass shootings in their private schools and the like, but not in the poor black neighborhoods of America where they want to defund the police so the violence can go unchecked. We don't have a gun violence in America. We have a gun violence problem in the black communities of America. And when you bring it up, you're told you're not in that community. You're not supposed to talk about this. You've got to let the black community deal with it. Well, when is someone going to deal with it? It shouldn't be a race issue. And people hear you talk about it and they say, well, racist, racist, racist. But the reality is um, in your typical white suburban neighborhood, you're not having to worry about stray bullets. In your poor white neighborhood, you're not have to worry about stray bullets. O church, arise. Because government's not going to solve the problem. There's going to be others in the community solving the problem. And the problem is not a gun problem. The problem is a heart and soul problem of young men without dads and homes, collapsed families. Now you add into it drug addiction, and there's another problem too. I mentioned yesterday we need more prisons. We need to fill them up. There are a lot of bad guys who need to be locked up and kept there. 
A buddy of mine pointed out, you know, you should mention the mental institutions as well. Because it all plays in this topic, does it all weaves together. So I am from Jackson, Louisiana. Jackson, Louisiana is a small town. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. I know they're listening. Jackson, Louisiana, there's a play written years ago called I'm Going to Jackson. It was about going to the mental institution because that's in Jackson, Louisiana, the mental institution. My old house was a few blocks away. Small kid. You could hear the commotion on a full moon night. When I was a kid, occasionally the the mental patients would break out. One time, uh, my friend John Scott McDonald, his dad was building a treehouse. His grandmother's house was across from our house. It was a big old house built in the 1800s like ours was. And they were building the treehouse. Mr. Clayton was. And crazy man jump, climbs up into the tree, into the, into the treehouse, butt naked, throwing bricks down at people. He jumps out, runs to the Catholic Church, screaming for sanctuary. He was a crazy man. Occasionally, the crazy people would sneak out. They'd break out. The, it was the home for the middle institution for the state where people were committed, oftentimes against their will, sometimes criminally insane. We got one here in Georgia called in Milledgeville, Central State. I think that's it. It used to be a lawyer for the state. I don't know. It's not a private firm, but we contract with the state. We represented it. Had to go over there occasionally. These places are largely defunded and abandoned. Not all. I mean, there are still patients at the one um, near where my parents are now, where I grew up. But we need to fund the middle institutions of America. In the 1970s, Jimmy Carter, one of the worst presidents we've ever had, decided to defund the middle institutions. It had started under Johnson, but really picked up steam under Carter and all the crazy people. They decided we're going to mainstream them into society. Now we're going to put them in halfway houses in society. They led the crazy people out onto the streets where they weren't being forced to take their medicine every day. They could take it if they chose. They'd they'd have recidivism rates. They'd go nuts on the streets. Now we're dealing with a bunch of crazy people who are homeless people. And the left wants to just change the name from homeless to unhoused. That's their problem. They're unhoused. No, it's their insane people he should, who should be locked up for their own safety and ours. It is not compassionate to allow these schizophrenic to sleep on the streets at night in their own feces harassing other people. That's not compassion. But the left thinks it is because they don't have to document the homeless person on the street. They don't have to document. They don't have to quantify the homeless schizophrenic on the streets. If they were in a middle institution, you would, and you would see the societal failures from progressive policies. They would rather these people be on the streets, abandoned, ignored, with a blind eye turned so they don't have to be documented, so you don't have to account for the failures of progressive policy in America. We need to bring back the mental institution. Every state has them. We need to fund them. We need to fill them up. With the crazy homeless people who are out there harassing people every day. A friend of mine texted me last night. His daughter is a law student at my alma mater. She was at a gas station and a crazy homeless man tried to reach in her car and grab her. And when she started screaming, he said, I'm not here to rape you. I just want your money. You're not my type. She was able to get away with her money, drive away. 
you should not have to be accosted by homeless people on the street or at the gas station. And the left thinks that's just the price of living in the city. They want us all to live in the city and be accosted by crazy homeless people who should be locked up in middle institutions. It's time to stop being so compassionate that our brains fall out of our out of our skulls. We empty out our thinking. It's not good for them. It's not good for us. Y'all, when you have an animal and the animal starts acting up, it's usually feeding off of your energy and people need you to curb your behavior to curb your animal's behavior. When you have homeless schizophrenics, drug-addicted, harassing people in the streets and the left says, well, that's just the cost of doing business and that's the just the price you pay for living in the city and it's totally acceptable. No, the hell it's not. You should not have to fear going into the city. You should not have to fear walking down the street at night, but you do thanks to progressive social policies where they treat these homeless people like they're animals, but they're, they're feral animals that the left doesn't care about. They're created in the image of God, and we need to care for them, and it is not caring for them to live, leave them on the streets. They should be put in mental institutions. It's compassionate to give them the care they need under the supervision of doctors in a mental institution where perhaps they might get treatment and recovery and at least will stay there to protect them from others and from themselves and to protect us from them as well. We need to not just build more prisons and fill them up with bad guys. We need to start funding the middle and hospitals of America again and start putting people there who need to be there for their own protection and the protection of others. It's for their own good to be there and be given their psychiatric medications that they're not going to get on the streets, get them away from the addictions, get them away from the harm, get them away from the rest of society that they bother as well. Put them somewhere for their own safety and for ours. We can't be honest about these anymore. We can't be honest about the issues of gun violence in the country. We can't be honest about the issues of crime and the issues of cities and the issues of homelessness because to be honest would require that the left acknowledge the failures of progressive policies going back to the Johnson administration, and they don't want to do that. So instead, they'll label us racist and censor us so we can't point out their view of society has failed. We need to fix it, and that requires building more prisons and mental hospitals and taking people off the streets, not letting them stay there. Guys, if you're a small, mid-sized business, you're struggling with HR issues, you have employees not showing up, or you got to do a termination, you need onboarding of employees, maybe there's a sexual harassment complaint. You want an HR manager. You don't want to be the bad guy with your employees. Bambi can play the role of HR for you. $99 a month, available by phone, email, real-time chat, They do onboardings, terminations, they help your team members get to peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations regardless of which state. They're great. Now, they're U.S.-based. you got somebody to talk to who's dedicated to your team. They give you access to HR expertise, and they add personal touches. So even though they're outsourced by your company, they really feel like they're a part of your team. That matters. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast. When you sign up, it'll help my show. Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E-E.com, Bambi.com, Eric Erickson in the podcast tab. Jack Phillips is back in the news. A number of years ago, I wrote a book. You can get it on Amazon. You will be made to care. Uh, You should get the book. You know, at the time, um, people said that I was insane, that uh, this was hysteria, that it just wasn't true, uh, it's not real. 
Uh, no, 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 no. It, it was very real and always has been real that um, people were going to come for you. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm going to, to put this out uh, on Twitter, E.W. Erickson on Twitter. Um, you should order this book um, because people just said, no, there's no way this will ever happen. It was the whole idea of the rise of Christian persecution in America. And, and we pointed out in the book, Jack Phillips at the time, it was a relevant case and it's still a case. So uh, Jack Phillips is the baker in Colorado that does not bake cakes for things that he views as an affront to his religion. Like, for example, you can't get a cake from Jack Phillips for Halloween because he thinks Halloween's a pagan holiday. Won't do it. Uh, if you are getting a, having a second marriage and you want a wedding cake, Jack Phillips won't do your wedding cake if he knows it's your second marriage because he doesn't believe in divorce. Jack Phillips will not do a cake for a same-sex wedding because he believes marriage is between a man and a woman. However, he'll provide the cake, ready-made cake for you, and you can put the wedding topper on it yourself. He just won't do it. That got him sued. He was willing to give a gay couple a, a cake. They sought him out. It's pretty clear they targeted him for this. Well, then when he won the case before the U.S. Supreme Court over that, uh, a trans activist showed up and wanted a birthday cake with blue icing and a pink inside because it was not just a birthday cake but a transition celebration. Uh, and it, it, although the activist says he didn't do it, it's pretty clear he targeted Jack Phillips. The Colorado Court of Appeals said Phillips violated Colorado civil rights law, and now the Colorado Supreme Court has decided to hear it on appeal. Um, in light of the Supreme Court's decision, also from Colorado, the web designer who was targeted, um, you will be made to care. You will be made to care. Uh, the left will come for you. Uh, they will force you to care on these cultural issues you don't want to care about. They will try to force Christians to bend to their will. You will be made to care. I wrote this book in 2016, and it's become more and more prescient ever since. People said at the time, there's no way this would happen, and here you are seeing people of faith lose their jobs, uh, HR departments and major corporations bullying employees to conform to left-wing social values. It's happening. You will be made to care. You'll also be made to care about the economy. The Biden administration is trying hard to force people to care about Bidenomics and to treat it positively, but Americans for Prosperity is educating people on why it's a bad idea. They want you on their team. They want you to fight back on Bidenomics. Join them at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Americans for Prosperity has over 4 million activists around the country in over 36 states. They teach you how to make a persuasive case to your friends, your family, your neighbors on why Bidenomics is bad, but also to give people hope how we can restore the American dream, how we can revitalize American society. That's what they do. They've got great policy positions. They're a do tank, not a think tank. They go into the states and they do the business of the conservative movement, growing the cause of free markets and free people, and they want you to help them. They'll educate you. They'll teach you. They'll give you the knowledge. They'll make you the most informed person in your circle of friends to be able to persuade your friends, your city council, your school board, your state government. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K, americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Sign up today. Be a part of this movement across the country to reignite the American dream and roll back the regulatory state under Bidenomics. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Greetings, conversationalists. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I got to talk to you about a topic I'm kind of 
in all honesty, I'm, I'm a little bit tired of talking about it, but I got to talk about it. I don't want you to think it's my hobby horse. I don't want you to think it's just something I just I use to fill time. It's just there's so much news about this stuff these days. So last week I mentioned the story about Rivian, um, and Rivian is losing money. The Wall Street Journal had a big story, October 2nd, Sean McLean, Rivian's quest to build the ultimate truck burns through billions. Rivian Automotive set out to build the ultimate electric vehicle for American consumers, a pickup truck with sports car handling and a dizzying array of features. Engineers gave the truck a beefy underlying metal frame for higher crash test ratings and one of the most complicated suspension systems on the market for a smoother ride on road. He can go from zero to 60 in three seconds. It added pop-out flashlights stored away from in the doors and a portable Bluetooth speaker. All that comes at a cost. Rivian sells their vehicles for $80,000 on average, yet they're so expensive to build that in the second quarter, the company lost $33,000 on every one. That's the starting price of the F-150. So you got that? That's it. The... So Tesla's got their really hideously awful, ugly truck-looking thing. Rivian actually has it. I I don't think they're they're all that attractive, but they're far better than what Tesla came up with as far as a truck sort of thing. The Rivian SUVs, I know a couple of people who have them. They really like them a lot. Uh, I just I don't want an all-electric vehicle. I mean, I, I would if I like for commuting back and forth, but just as a single vehicle no uh, but nonetheless uh, they're losing 33,000 per vehicle so in Georgia where I am uh, they're building a huge battery facility for Rivian a huge Rivian facility and it's still a fallow field more or less they're struggling they're burning through cash in fact in two years Rivian has blown through half of its 18 billion dollar pile of cash Right now, it sells three models, the R1T pickup truck, the R1S SUV, and an electric delivery van from for Amazon. The truck and its SUV, which share many parts, account for 83% of uh, August sales. It only built a total of around 65,000 vehicles. Now, I mentioned the Rivian story, and that's from last week. Well, now, Keith Bradshear of the New York Times has a story about another car maker that's losing $35,000 per car that it makes. This is Neo. You haven't heard of Neo because Neo's in China. Neon competes with Tesla. It employs 11,000 people in research and development and sells only 8,000 cars a month. It has invested so extensively in robots that one of its factories employs just 30 technicians to make 300,000 electric car motors a year. Neo offers $350 augmented reality glasses for each seat in its cars and has introduced a cell phone that interacts with the car self-driving system. None of it is profitable. Neo lost $835 million from April through June, or $35,000 for every car it has sold. Neo and other companies in China's sprawling electric car sector have formidable government backing that allows them to withstand such losses and keep growing. 
When Neon nearly ran, Neo nearly ran out of cash in 2020, a local government injected $1 billion for a 24% stake. A state-controlled bank led a group of other lenders to pump in $1.6 billion. Today, Neo embodies China's dominance of electric vehicle innovation and manufacturing, underlying its threat to the U.S. and Europe. The strike by the UAW against the big three Detroit automakers, now in its third week, is at the heart of a conflict over electric vehicles. The companies say they must invest billions of dollars to retool their operations, while workers say they must defend their jobs from automation and technology. On Wednesday, European politicians, worried by a wave of Chinese exports, formally launched an investigation into whether electric car manufacturers in China have received government subsidies, a step that could impose tariffs. China's EV exports have surged 851%. All right. Here's the problem. You and I both know what's going to happen here is progressives are going to demand greater government subsidization of the electric vehicle market. They're already doing all the, the, the Inflation Reduction Act was their Green New Deal. They gave all sorts of tax incentives for you to buy an electric car. They gave all sorts of tax incentives for electric manufacturers to ramp up production. China is actually taking ownership interest in these companies in China to ensure that they, they keep going even as they're losing money. NEO is losing more money per vehicle than Rivian is on its vehicles. It's close, though. 33000 loss per vehicle for Rivian, 35000 loss per vehicle for NEO. They're not making money off this stuff. And by the way, the production of electric vehicles is taxing on the environment. No carbon offsets there for these vehicles. The, the amount of power needed for these plants, the amount of power for the batteries, the amount of rare earth minerals needed to mine, but you're not seeing the poor kids in Africa die for the cobalt, are you? No. You feel good about your, your electric vehicle. Again, it's important. I got to say, I don't care if you have an electric vehicle. I would not mind having a Tesla or a Rivian to drive back and forth from home to my office. I, I'm, I'm at my flagship station today, WSB in Atlanta. It's an hour. It took me an hour, 10 minutes from my house, say hour and 15. And I would love to have an electric vehicle would be glorious. Not have to worry about the gas. Just drive up, drive home, plug it in, charge. Use my Yukon Denali for the big road trips. It'd be fine. It saved me money on gas. I filled up with gas last night, put in 70 bucks in my tank to fill it up. Fine, doable for me. But yeah, I can see the benefits of an electric vehicle for commuting back and forth. But as a primary vehicle, I got I, I couldn't justify it as a primary vehicle. But then on top of that, with the exception of Tesla, a lot of these companies, they're not making money. They're required to have government subsidy. The governments are pouring money in to keep these companies going. And China in particular is trying to dominate the market. And so much of our industrial policies now and financial policies in this country actually align towards the Chinese. The Democratic Party in this country is increasingly a proxy for China. Now, you're thinking that's a bold statement, Erickson. What's your proof? Follow along with me here. 
who are the major backers of the Democratic Party? Private equity and hedge funds give more money to the Democratic Party off Wall Street than they do the GOP. What's the major market the private equity and hedge funds are breaking into? China. They need American policy steered favorably towards China for them, and they give money to the Democratic Party to do that. Hollywood. Hollywood gives a ton of money to the Democratic Party and very little to the Republican Party. And Hollywood needs the Chinese box office. Hollywood needs the Democratic Party to lean towards China. The abortion industry. Abortion is a huge industry in China. Abortifacient drugs manufactured in China. You want good, favorable policies on abortion? You you, you got to lean towards the Chinese. You want cheap access to abortifacient drugs? You, you got you to gotta trade with China. The Fortune 500. The Fortune 500, Fortune 100 in particular, major tech companies like Apple, they lean towards China. They lean towards the Democratic Party. They want favorable trade deals with China. They want us to leave China alone. They don't They don't want to trade war with China. They didn't like Trump's trade war. It's bad for their business. They lean towards the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party interests align towards helping China. You can see the Democratic Party advancing the interests of the Green New Deal and how it's rewarding China constantly and always. You know, I read a disturbing report the other day that China is, uh, the U.S. military has said to start warning Peru that China is buying up businesses in Peru because Peru has lithium. Peru has a lot of rare earth minerals. Lithium's not one, but they've got lithium, but they've also got rare earth minerals. And China is buying up a lot of the businesses in Peru related to the mining industry. And the U.S. military is starting to warn Peru, which we have good relationships with, watch out. The Chinese are coming in. They're buying up your industries. China, did you know, is starting military relations with Mexico? That's right. China is starting military relationships with Mexico on our border. They're a threat. And the electric vehicle market is a backdoor threat from China. They control so much of the technology. They control so much of the industry. They control so much of the supplies. They're a threat. The Biden administration is pushing greater expansion of electric vehicles, not hybrids, not hybrids. If it was hybrids, we would be less threatening. We'd be less dependent on China, but they want to go full EV. That helps China. The Biden administration is playing a dangerous game in that respect, a dangerous game. They're advancing the interests of China claiming they're advancing the economic interests of the United States. And meanwhile, it's a bunch of money-losing endeavors, and that gives me a silver lining here. See, the thing is, economically, things aren't going well in China right now. The Xi Jinping administration in China is harming entrepreneurs. Interest rates are going up. They're in depression. Prices are free-falling in China. That's actually a bad thing. Depression is worse than recession. Depression is worse than inflation because suddenly you've got all these people who are making a lot of money. Everything is cheap. People, when they start buying stuff, you're not producing as much money. you got to fire a bunch of people. A lot of people go on the unemployment line. 
The Chinese real estate market is collapsing. The Chinese banking market is collapsing. The Chinese secondary financial lending markets are collapsing. And meanwhile, they're overly investing in an electric car manufacturer that loses $35,000 on every car. Financially, this sort of stuff in China is not sustainable. They're going to have to start making tough choices. Whether or not they can they can continue to be as competitive as they have been, I don't know that they can. I'm kind of more and more in the camp that China is not on the rise, they're on the decline and don't even realize it yet, but that makes them more dangerous and that's part of the problem because you have a bunch of angry young men in China with nationalist fervor who want a war, they want to take back Taiwan, and at some point the only way Xi Jinping is going to be able to stay in power is to give them that. Even as they decline, they're going to be a dangerous country to deal with, but we got to deal with them, and we got to deal with them by getting our financial house in order. I mean, right now you got 10 regional banks that have their credit downgraded. They're going to keep racking up profits. They're going to get sweetheart, sweetheart bailouts. Maybe they'll be sold to a mega bank. No wonder Swiss America has been sounding the alarm in their secret war on cash. So no, it'll sell our freedoms. You know, I walked past a business, a boba tea place uh, the other day, and it said no cash allowed. Due to COVID, no cash allowed. That was the sign on their door. They don't want you to spend your money anymore. You got to put it on plastic. Swiss America wants to educate you on the ways to help you protect your hard-earned assets. Now, you can go and read their shocking report, The Secret War on Cash. You get a free copy by calling or texting 800-289-2646, 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. You can go read about it in The Secret War on Cash. It's free to you guys. Just mention my name, Eric Erickson, when you call or text 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. You call or text my name to 800 800- 289-2646. Get the report, The Secret War on Cash. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Message and data rates may apply if you call or text. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. So the UAW strike is continuing. We're multiple weeks into this. It's starting to have economic effects. It's having spillover effects to small business. Sneezing fit. Sorry, my goodness. Glad I have a mute button. The It's having economic spillover effects to small businesses that are suppliers to the suppliers of the auto manufacturers. Layoffs are beginning. They won't shut down the strike. They have demands they say are non-negotiable, essentially eat the rich. Um, I don't know how they're going to reach a resolution on this. They're going to have to at some point. The problem is that uh, the auto manufacturers are being pushed to transition to electric vehicles, and you need less workers to make electric vehicles. they got to make them at a competitive price so they can't keep all the workers to make electric vehicles when electric vehicles don't need as many workers. And So what are they going to do? It's a no-win situation for the automakers. they they got to come up with some way to navigate, and I don't know that they can. And, of course, uh, you you got President Biden on the side of the UAW. He's not willing to help. At the same time, healthcare workers now in a number of states related to Kaiser Permanente have walked off the job. They're striking, too. We're having a season of strikes here, and they're all encouraged by the Biden administration labor-friendly policies. Now, the Polling suggests the public supports the workers. 
the public tends to always support the workers. But how long does the public support the workers when they can't get to the hospital because the nurses are on strike? How long do they support the workers when they get laid off from their jobs because those workers are striking? I, if this goes on too long, I think there's a, a backlash that grows, a, a backlash bruise, and it has economic effects. I mean, the layoffs are already starting in secondary and tertiary markets for the auto industry. So the warning flags are there. Now, where does this all lead? I, I don't know where it all leads, but I do think there are so many warning signs on the horizon right now that the economy is far more unsettled than the Biden administration and the talking heads on CNBC wants you to believe that this could take the economy. You know, Democrats, I don't think they appreciate the reality enough that Donald Trump could get reelected. Donald Trump could become Grover Cleveland. Donald Trump could be the only the second president in American history to lose and then win again. He could. Republicans could replace him and go with someone else. And that almost guarantees a Republican victory given the polling out there. We are in uncharted economic times. And those uncharted economic times bring economic instability and the events of the time change things. It, it really does change things. Donald Trump remains a, an, a, an existential threat to normalcy, which a lot of people actually want. They don't like the old times. They don't like the so-called uniparty, which I, I'm, I kind of – I don't like the label because it oversimplifies a lot of stuff. But a lot of people want to be as overly simplistic as possible these days, and, and Trump helps them do it. He could be the president again. The Democrats don't understand that. They don't seem to really recognize that the American public is unhappy with the economy. I mean, you see these people on MSNBC all the time now essentially excoriating the public for being unhappy with Joe Biden because they claim he's done an economic turnaround. I'm sorry, but when prices are going up just not as fast, that's not an economic turnaround. It's stagflation. It's Carter-esque. It is Jimmy Carter. The only president to ever get along with and like Jimmy Carter is headed to a Carter administration. He could be a one-term president. The question is who beats him. The question is do the Republicans self-sabotage? Never underestimate the ability of Republicans to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. They've done it before. They might just do it again. In fact, that's Joe Biden's saving grace right now is the incompetence of the Republican Party to actually understand that you can't just have a nominee who agrees with you on everything. you got to have a nominee who agrees with the middle class and independents and can win. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.